You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number 220. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and today's podcast episode is a really, really important topic. And as I mentioned, you'll hear me talk about in the podcast, I think that there can be a lot of shame around this topic, and that topic is eating disorders. And um, because there is a lot of shame, sometimes people don't talk about this experience. And yet eating disorders are, are very prolific and prevalent, especially in teenage girls. And I think the more that we can start to destigmatize and talk about this experience, um, the more that we're going to be able to bring it to light and to help people to be able to get the, the help that they need. Something that I do want to make mention of as we roll into this episode is something that Aubrey Ann said at the very, very end of the episode. And I was, I was thanking her for coming on and, and talking about eating disorders, but she made a really important point, And that is that the things that she's talking about, the things that the aha moments she had, the breakthroughs that she had, the things that she's learned from her journey are applicable well outside of just the eating disorder realm. So it can be easy to think as you look at the title and think, oh, well, I don't have any problems with an eating disorder. I don't know anybody who has an eating disorder. I don't have any kids who have an eating disorder. Maybe this podcast episode isn't for me. And what I would invite invite you to do is to listen from uh, the paradigm of what else is there here to learn that is applicable to me in my journey, because there's so much. Ariane talks about so much that is applicable, whether you have an eating disorder or whether you don't, because at the end, she talks about how really this is all about peace. It's really all about healing and about getting to a place of, of peace. And I think, I don't care who you are, feeling at peace, feeling healed, feeling whole is something that we all want. And that's really what Aubrey-Anne talks about in this podcast episode. So I went back and forth of whether to make this uh, a Friday episode of a I, I Did It series, but we ended up going a little bit longer in this in this episode. And it's such a good topic, and, and there's so many good things that we talk about that I decided to make it a regular Tuesday episode um, because it is a little bit longer, and it is a little bit of, about Aubrey-Anne's story, but the um, lessons and the takeaways that you're going to be able to get from this podcast episode, I thought, you know, this, this, is, this is a Tuesday episode. Uh, let's, put it on, let's put it on Tuesday. So uh, I'm really excited for you to get to listen to Aubrey-Anne. She is wise beyond her years, and I'm just really excited for you to hear her story of healing. So let's hop into the episode. All right, everybody. I am so excited, Aubrey Ann, to have you on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much. I am really excited about you sharing your story, especially because you let me know ahead of time that this isn't something that you usually like to talk about um, yourself. (laughs) And so (laughs) I'm even more grateful to you because I know that a lot of women listening to this are going to 
are going to find value and hear themselves in you. Um, and I think that's really special. So let's start out with just giving a little quick overview of okay. you and a little bit of your story. Perfect. So, I mean, as we had talked before, I don't like to talk about this story. Um, but I was watching, you know, I think one of your free coaching Fridays and you were talking to this really cute little gal and I just wanted to give her a hug because I've been there. And so I hope today that I can just, you know, give hope to somebody because it's when you're in the trenches, it is so hard. So I don't like to talk about it because it's hard to, it's hard to talk about. And then in part two, you know, um, I never want anybody to feel guilt. And so some of the things that went on, I know my family, you know, they're so supportive and awesome, but I never want them to feel guilt about anything that went on because I know that their desires are in the right place and they love me. So yeah. Anyhow to backtrack, um, my overview, (laughs) it's, it's like hard to know where to start. Um, but really it starts pretty young. My, my journey with my body and, and what's gotten me to where I am at today. So Um, I was pretty aware of my body at a very young age. Um, and I, um, really started with an eating disorder at a, at a young age. Um, and anybody that, that struggled with that, you know, it's, you know, on part, it is like, you want to look a certain way, but a a bigger part of that is there's other things going on around you that you can't control. And so you're internalizing that and you're trying to control that. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people that struggle with eating disorders, um, are very like overly empathetic. So you feel so much what other people are feeling and what's going on around you, you're internalizing that you're trying to control it in a way, and you can attempt at least to control your body. Of course, you know, it doesn't work like that, mm-hmm. but that's kind of what's going on there. So, you know, my family's awesome. We had some things going on just like any other family. I was trying to internalize that. And then in the other side of it, I don't necessarily have the same body type as my family. Like my dad is a physical therapist. So I've always been around athletes. Um, he you know, instilled in us a love of like everything outdoors. Um, but I didn't look like my family and I would notice that, you know, I had, I was heavier than them. And looking back on those pictures, it's like, I didn't look that different, but to me, I looked looked really different. Yeah. Yeah. And so like the, the best way I can explain it is like with the eating disorder, there was like a film over my eyes and I still just deal with this, but I can recognize what's going on. It's like, somebody's put like glasses over your eyes, or, you know, you're looking to a mirror that distorts your image and you Mm -hmm. only see that way, but that's your reality. Mm -hmm. And now when I do this, I recognize, okay, this isn't right. I can go into another room, kind of close my eyes, ground myself, go back. And I see something completely different, but me, you know, starting at age 10 through high school, I just like had this film over my eyes and I just saw my body as this huge distorted thing. And I just needed to restrict and control that more. Um, I have a question about that. If you're willing yeah. to answer when, when you say that you saw something different, are you meaning in like a literal sense, like a body dysmorphia? Like when you looked into the mirror, you literally saw something different um, yeah. or are you, or is that like a more metaphorical sense that you're talking about that? No, I literally saw yeah. something different. And yeah. so it's like, I saw this huge body and that's yeah. not like looking back at pictures. That's not what was there. It wasn't reality, but it was your no. reality. It was your reality it's when you literally looked in the what I saw. And yeah. so again, it's something I still like, I can yeah. still experience that, Yeah. but it's like this film that I have to turn off and I can do that now. I couldn't do that then, but you couldn't do that at that young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so interesting. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. Okay. No, that's good. So anyhow, um, all through, you know, 
pretty young, it just, the restriction got greater and greater. Um, when my parents recognized, you know, what was going on, because of course, like, I didn't want them to know like, Hey, I'm, you know, doing these things. Um, they got me the help I needed. They were like, what do you need? I'm like, I need a personal trainer and I need a dietitian. And both those two people told me, no, you need a counselor. (laughs) Did your uh, from, from a parenting perspective, I think yeah. it might be helpful for some people who are our parents of knowing what were, what were the indicators that you needed more help? Um, was oh, that, wow. was that some, from them seeing a decrease in weight? Was that from them seeing behaviors? But I know that there's a lot of moms and dads who are wondering what is that line of when I need to seek help for my child? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Um, yeah. And I mean, the biggest things that I can say are like having open communication. Like my parents were always people that I could go to even when I didn't want to, and, you know, tried to hide this from them when it did eventually come forward. Um, I could talk to them about it. Um, and what I think it's hard, I've like blocked out a lot of sure, these memories. Yeah, for sure. Um, but definitely my behaviors. And then my weight was always fluctuating, you know, higher and then lower than what it should have been. Um, but I played sports a lot in different things too. So I don't know that that was the biggest thing to me. It, it really was the behaviors and they started seeing those, um, harmful behaviors come forward. And, And I think for parents who are listening, I think, um, one of the, the things that's really important to rely on is, is, is a little bit of your gut in these kind of situations. Yeah. Like if you're seeing something in your child that you're just not sure about error on the, on the side of like yeah. getting them more help, right? Like yeah. maybe you're a little overprotective and maybe they don't really need that. But I think the error on that side is much better than the error of just trying to brush it off and saying that there's nothing that's a problem. Yeah. Um, well, so I have three girls um, no. right now. They're only four, two, and one, but like I always thought I'd have boys and part of why yeah. I think that God has given me three girls is because I can help them. Yeah. Um, which is one not what I wanted. I was like, let's <laughs> have boys and like we can deal with other things. Not have but to deal no, with it. We yeah. got we got girls. And not that boys can't deal with that, but it sure. is different. So um I think how I'm gonna kind of approach it and to an extent, like it's easier to hypothesize about that, right? But just starting at that young age and really starting now, teaching them how to balance those, have balanced meals, teaching them how their body is going to fluctuate. And then, you know, more than anything, setting a good example of that. Like my body gets bigger when I'm pregnant. That's great. I'm growing a baby. Like how awesome our, our bodies were made to grow babies. And at dinner, we need to have, you know, veggies and we need to have carbs. Carbs are great. We need to have protein. This helps keeps us full. Let's throw some butter on there, man. Like Mm -hmm. everything's better with butter. So modeling that and then open conversation, especially with like social media, um, you know, I don't want my kids to be on social media for a long time, but it is going to happen. And I want them to experience that while they're in my home so I can help them navigate that. I don't want them using apps. Hopefully we can avoid that or like apps that moderate, like change what you look like. Right. Cause that just, once you see your face with like an app over it, like it's hard to not it distorts reality. It it's it, like, oh, yeah. it's, it's like the lens that you were talking about yeah. in like physical form where it distorts yeah. reality. Yeah. But in a way that you can never match up to. Right. Um, and so, I mean, I I don't know if that's helpful at all. Those are some things that I'm, you know, currently working on and planning to continue to implement. And then again, just creating relationship where my daughters and I always have an open conversation. And if they want to, you know, 
get stronger, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I can teach them how to do that. We can go to the gym together and hopefully we're already doing that, but that we can have those conversations of, okay, you're uncomfortable with your body. Let's work on the inside and let's work on the outside too. Like, that's great. Mm-hmm. So I don't know I'm if those cur- thoughts are helpful. No, they're super helpful. Um, I am curious. I had a conversation a couple of days ago with a client. Um, we were doing a coaching call and we discovered together through this coaching call that she has a daughter who has been having an eating disorder issue and mm-hmm. has been had, you know, they've been struggling with that. And, um, and I helped her kind of uncover that in order to try and balance the eating disorder of her daughter, she's swung way far to the other side of mm. binging and like overeating and overeating, like foods that, you know, don't make her feel great because she feels like on like unsubconsciously, she didn't recognize this until we talked about it. Subconsciously, she's trying to balance out her daughter is like her daughter's on this one extreme. And so she's trying to like kind of counterbalance her by being on the way other extreme. And I wonder if that is anything that you ever experience, um, having been on that other extreme of feeling like, do I need to go way far to the other side to like show my daughters that it's okay to eat butter. But what we talked about, and you can answer in just a minute, but what we talked about was that in order to balance your daughter, you actually need to model the behavior you want to see in her, not the opposite of the behavior you want to see in her. And so if we think about it as like the daughter is an extreme and now this mother is also on the other extreme, we don't want to be modeling the ex- either extreme for yeah. our children. We want to, we want to model what we want them to do, which is in the middle. Like it's, it's that moderation. And so we kind of talked about how we can, when you model the moderation, we can help your daughter move to that moderation, which is where you want her to end up. So I don't know if that's, if that, if you've ever experienced any of that desire to kind of counterbalance your experience growing up, or if you have really found, no, I've, I've really figured out that middle ground and that's what I want to model for my daughters. I just, the middle ground is so important because I mean, if anything, like seeing the opposite end of it, that's scary too. Sure. Yeah. It's like, if you're, you know, trying to control yourself and control your body and make it smaller, seeing, you know, unhealthy habits is just going to scare you more and make you want to restrict more. At least that's mm, what it would have done. That's, for me. that's a really interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. That's I, 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 totally I want that. to be as far away from that yes. as I can. And that's almost what drives you to the eating disorder uh-huh, is to be as far away it. as possible from that. Yeah. That's and so, yeah, it really is important that you're modeling like, and, and that was something I didn't have the knowledge of growing up. Like sure. what did a balanced meal, like my dad worked a lot. He ate later in the day. So I would try and wait till then, but I played high school sports. I was starving, Mm -hmm. but I felt bad for being hungry. Kind of a different thing. Um, anyhow, so modeling, like, yeah, let's go get crumble cookie, but also at dinner, like we need to balance that out. There's not bad food. There's not, you know, good food. There's just food and there's ways of fueling your body and you need all of it and you should be able to have all of it. Um, kind of a thing, but in that moderation. Yeah. It's so good. So, so let's go back to your story and, and, um, you know, you talked about your parents kind of recognizing some of these behaviors and and getting you not a, not a nutritionist, not a, not a PT, um, but getting you a counselor and someone who is like trained to deal with eating disorders. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that experience of, of what that was like going to a counselor? What, what lessons did you learn there? And how did that, that process of healing start for you? That was really hard because I didn't want to go. I did not want to admit that that was actually a problem for me. 
Um, you know, and by that point, my best friend and my family was aware of what was going on and they were all asking me to seek out help. And I was just like, no, like I'm, I don't have any issues. Cause to me, that was viewed as a weakness. Right. Um, and I'm stronger than that was my perspective. Um, obviously counseling is great at the time. I wasn't really willing to listen, but the things that I did learn were very helpful. So she helped me to recognize that it's not just like this superficial thing. Cause I felt so much guilt towards that. Like, Oh, it's just, you know, that I want to look skinny and that's why I'm going to these extremes. And that's pretty stupid, mm-hmm. but really that there were other things that were going on that I was trying to control. So that was helpful just to be aware, like, okay, this is an issue. And finally coming to terms with that, which there, uh, you know, counseling did help me with that. Um, it was helpful for us as a family. They had some, of my parents sit on, or they had my parents come into a couple of the sessions to kind of help them understand a better perspective of what I was going through and what my thought process was and why I was doing the actions that I was doing. Um, and then like they had me going to like a support group, um, and really just getting any of the help that I could. So it was really good. Um, and I've, you know, since visited counselors kind of as like a reset just to get tools, you know, um, even though it's not something that I'm struggling with, like it was back then, you know, before I got pregnant for the first time, I was like, okay, this is going to be a hard thing for me gaining weight. So I wanted to go to the counselor and get some tools. And so really great option there. Don't be ashamed of it. Like if you know, do it, it's Mm -hmm. just kind of with that. So, um, counseling was super big, um, in helping me at least recognize there was a problem. And then um, I did that through my senior year of high school. And then I went to college. Um, I went to BYU and started my freshman there. And it was like freeing because I was on my own. And so my my habits at like um, a distance looked healthy, but they were so restrictive. They weren't. Mm-hmm. I trained for my first marathon my freshman year and just got to a point where like I had teachers coming up to me and they're like, you, you don't look okay. And I'm like, trying to ignore them, but it was an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, a big turning point for me was, um, I decided to serve a mission, um, for our church. I just wanted to share how awesome God is and, you know, the change that he can have on our life, um, and the love that Christ has for us. So I wanted to serve a mission. Uh, I got my assignment and about three months into my mission, these habits were coming back so hard because you're in such a stressful situation. And that's how I knew to deal with that stress. Yeah, it's your go mechanism. back to these, yeah, go back to these restrictions. Um, and I got to a point where I really was just, um, th- this is hard to talk about, but I was, uh, on, you know, praying and just kind of had this epiphany that if I continued to restrict, I wouldn't be able to stay on my mission. And how sad that would be because I wouldn't be able to do what I set out to do, which was serve. So I just kind of said, okay, God, like I'm giving this up to you. Um, And, you know, I hope if anybody, you know, if you don't have a relationship with God, like, I hope you can lean on that um, because there's a lot of help and and power there. Anyhow, so I actually gained 50 pounds on my mission. I served in Alabama, roll tide, but there's (laughs) so much fried food so much butter, so much fried chicken, the best biscuits ever. Um, and it was rough, but also like I was doing things that were more important. So, um, it, that was great, but coming home back to reality just felt like a a wall hit me and I'm like, okay, like I need to get, get back in, in order. Um, so 
you know, that just kind of continued this process of searching for information. I did uh, the whole 30 at that point. It always came back to calorie counting because I knew that that was something that I knew worked. But like, I mean, over the years I've done whole 30 paleo was big back in the day. Keto's bigger, more recently, um, Mediterranean, like everything that you could think of. And really, as I've been going through this, I've just been searching for information on, you know, what really is the science on how to take care of my body and get to the place that I want to be at. And at least by this point, I could recognize, you know, after I'd come from my mission, my husband and I, um, got married pretty soon after I got my mission, you know, we were talking about having family. I, I recognize like, I don't want to just, you know, be skinny and be small. And I don't want to have these habits because I don't want them to affect my future family. So at that point, the search became for like, how do I move past this? And where do I get to this place of peace, honestly, um, where I'm not at war with my body and where, you know, I feel like I can take care of myself and take care of my family in the way that we need. So one of the things that was coming up for me, as you were telling your story is this repeating theme of shame. And I kept thinking the thing that I, so we did eating disorders. We did like an eating disorder clinic in nursing school. So Mm -hmm. I went to like an in-house eating disorder clinic with, you know, people with like you know, tubes into their stomach cause they wouldn't eat. Yeah. And so they like had to like fuel them through a tube. And, um, I went to one of those, the counseling sessions that you're talking about, like a group counseling session. So I like sat in on this. And the thing that I think a lot of people don't recognize is that, you know, an eating disorder is, is like any mental health challenge, like anxiety or depression. And it, it just is the way that your brain is working. It's a coping mechanism. Like you talked about, it's like when people feel out of control, it's like the thing that they can control is food. And so then that's what they lean on. And I think in the last, you know, five years or so, we've done a really good job of destigmatizing mental health in the mm-hmm. realm of anxiety, in the realm of depression, in the, in these other realms. And I think one thing that I, is, I want to see more of is the destigmatization of eating disorders and not seeing them as like a moral failing or anything that you need to be ashamed about and recognizing that there it's just like another mental health issue where we get counseling and we get therapy and we have people help us. And there's ways to like move past it. And, you know, in some extent, like you said, that there's still a lot of chronicness that comes with it, but now you're equipped with tools to be able to, to move past it. But I think when we there still is a lot of shame that can be attached with like, oh, you're weak. And so you have an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're damaged. You know, you have an eating disorder, so you're damaged. And I just really, I really appreciate you sharing this story because my hope is, is that people will hear this one and have hope that, that there can be a change in the future. And two, maybe the more that we start to talk about it, the more that people can come out of the woodworks and really get the support and help that they need to be able to to move past it or, or to at least like have it become a manageable part of, of their existence. Um, so I'm curious for you, cause you, you ended up joining macros one-on-one. Yeah. What was, was that? Awesome. experience? <laughs> it was awesome. Well, great. I'm so glad. Um, but what was that experience like for you is like, what, what made you join? What, okay. what was that deciding factor? And was there any concern in your mind about the disordered eating coming back? because of, of using like macro counting. Um, that that's a question that I really want to talk and dive into, because I think sometimes with people who have a disordered eating past, that can be a fear of theirs. It's like, yeah. if I go to any type of control, then I go way to the extreme of that control. So 
what made you join? And was there any concern about that bringing back some of your past demons? Okay. So let me attack that first question first. So as I mentioned, like I've tried like everything under the sun looking for information because I wanted to get to this point that I had seen that other people could do where they just live this balanced lifestyle. Like I love working out um, just because it feels good. I love being outside and I want to just take care of my body and be at peace with that. So in that search, like I became a personal trainer um, through the NSCA great program, but I felt like it was lacking Um, especially on the nutrition side of things. Like it helped me a lot with like the exercise and like how our bodies work and how muscle is made. Um, but it's not, it's, you know, I'm not a dietitian and, uh, I studied Spanish. Like that is completely, (laughs) that is nothing related. And I love Spanish education and I wouldn't change anything. Um, but anyhow, so I was searching for information. Um, I always knew that, you know, going back to, when it came to lose weight and what's been for successful for me was calories in versus calories out. Um, so when I was looking at, um, different programs and things, I found your page when I was pregnant with my second. Um, and I started following you, you know, loved the content, loved that you were real. Um, and I loved how you divided the science from the emotion. And that's what I was trying to get at because Mm. so many times there's like so much emotion tied with losing weight. And then that, you know, makes us, and this is what you address in your coaching. Oh, because I didn't lose the weight, I'm a failure Mm -hmm. or, you know, different things like that, that beliefs that we have tied to that. And no, like you ate extra calories that day. That's all that is. That's Mm -hmm. all that means. So I was looking for that science, I saw a lot of it in your program. Um, but I was hesitant to jump into your program. And if I can just put this in, don't be hesitant, just dive in. Um, (laughs) because I was like, I already know a lot about losing weight. Like, is it really worth paying for this program when I already know a lot about macros Mm -hmm. and I had actually signed up with a different macro coach and didn't have a great experience, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, I'm going to do this. And of course, like, again, how you explain the science is awesome how you coach and coach through the emotion is great. Um, which is exactly what I was looking for and what I found. So that's what kind of took me to macros was just on that search for the right information. Cause I mean, we could go on a whole five hour rant on how the health industry is so just skewed on, you know, finding what is actually true. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Way longer than a five hour rant. <laughs> I would join you in that. <laughs> yes. Anyhow. So <laughs> Um, that's what led me to macros one one. Um, okay. So to your second question of, um, just to make sure I understood it correctly. Like if I was worried that like tracking macros would make me go back into that restriction. Yes. Um, that is something that I've had to deal with, like whether it was macros or whatever diet it was just making sure that I'm, you know, checking in with myself, honestly, and am I using this as a punishment or am I using this to reach my goals? And because I deserve that and to, you know, fulfill the things that I, that I want and I'm, I'm looking for. So I just kind of have like, like you talk about this in your macros one-on-one program, like, you know, the weekly check-ins, your goals sitting down. And so that's just kind of something that I've automatically learned to do is like, um, to do that check-in and check in with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's valuable for anybody. It's like that, that (laughs) check-in with yourself. And then also having, you know, sometimes when you've been to that extreme, it's also helpful to have an outside opinion. So a lot of the times my husband will bring up like, Hey, that wasn't like a run for fun. That was a rage run. And that was a punishment. And you need Mm -hmm. to, you know, 
next time, make sure that you're going on a run because you want to, not because you Mm -hmm. feel like you have to, in order to be worthy of whatever, you know, you think that you need. So it's like, it's like you're checking in with yourself, but you also have those outside people who are trusted to check in with you as well. And it's like, sometimes they can see things, even when you're checking in with yourself, sometimes that outside perspective can be like, ah, maybe that wasn't actually a run for fun. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great that you'll listen to, to that. I think, you know, it takes a little humility to do that, but when you have someone who's trusted that they have their best interest at heart. Yeah. If you can find somebody like that, that you, and be willing to listen, like, right. I mean, again, there's definitely been points in my life where I've had people willing to help and I was not at and a place where I was willing to listen, yeah. Yeah. but, um, checking with myself, checking in with, you know, my parents, my husband, you know, like, you know, seeing how, what they think I'm, how they think I'm doing. And it's very helpful to kind of give that, um, perspective. And then going back to, again, what, why am I doing this? You know, this is to help me find the knowledge that I need to get to a place where I can, you know, teach my family how to do that. Um, and, and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. So on that same vein, um, in macros 101, we talk about finding your why talk about finding Mm -hmm. your big why. And, um, will you share your experience with that, um, that piece? What happened for you when you started to dive into that? This was the part that I avoided. Like I was so excited to jump into all the modules. I didn't want to do them in order at all, but I did. I wanted to just jump right into like module three or four where like you, you know, you're actually working on the macros and I, it's so good that you have the groundwork. I just, didn't want to do it, but that's why you have it. Cause you need yeah. it. <laughs> you do need so, it. It's foundational. You do. It's you're not going to move, like actually make lasting change until you do that foundational work. Um, and that foundational work really just built on everything else that I'd been working on. Um, so the, the why though, I kept avoiding because again, it came, it came back to that shame. Like, I'm just like, Oh, this is just superficial. You know, I know that I just, you know, even though I've, you know, for the most part moved past those restrictions and that eating disorder, like this is still a superficial goal. And I still felt shame behind that. And so I finally was like, I just need to sit down and do this. And I was actually like, you put us in little groups. My group is awesome. And so collectively we were talking and we're like, yeah, I haven't really done that yet. So I'm like, okay, I need to do this. Um, so I sat down to do it and you at one point, I don't know if it was in a podcast or in the actual program had said that a lot of times you'll get emotional about your big why. And I just kind of laughed when you said that, which is terrible. Don't hate me for that. No, Um, it's, it's real. It's honest. That's what it is. (laughs) It is. I started crying. I started bawling. My husband's like, are you okay? Um, but I realized for me, it was, I want to heal. And that kind of became my mantra was to heal. Like I have been through so much with this body and hating it for so much. I just wanted to move past that and to just heal those wounds. I didn't want them to really be a part. I mean, obviously they're always gonna be a part, but something that defined my, you know, in a negative way, I wanted to be stronger than that. I wanted to heal. Um, and it's kind of evolved from that to move forward. Like I want to heal and I want to move forward. Like I will always work out. I love that. I'll have balanced meals, but I want to focus on my master's in Spanish and I want to, um, learn to play guitar better and learn piano and take some of that energy that I've spent for so long on hating my body towards those other goals that I have. I want to move forward to, you know, bigger things that, um, that I can do. I've just 
you know, not taking the time to do that because so much energy has been spent, spent elsewhere. So finding my why I avoided it, but it was a really cool experience to sit down and to realize like, no, this is, this is deep and I want to heal. That's beautiful. Oh, that's that like, yeah, makes me, it just makes me smile so much. Um, I, I love hearing that experience, um, that you had, uh, so something that we haven't really touched on, cause we've talked about a lot of the internal work that's happened and mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Cause we focus a lot on that. Yeah. That second part of it is, is one of the, when we do that internal work, the external often will change as well. And so we haven't talked about the physical results that you had as you went through this process. So we talk a little bit about that and what that experience was like. Yeah. So through macros one one I lost 30 pounds and it like wasn't very hard, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, especially compared to everything that I've done in the past to lose weight. Like I know that I can lose weight. I'm pretty good at that at this point. Like when I came home from Alabama on my mission, like I, I did lose the 50 pounds. Um, you know, each time I get pregnant, I get so sick during my pregnancies. And even though like my lifestyle is very active and I love working out, I can't do that when I'm pregnant. I am just so sick the whole time. So I gained quite a bit of weight and each time before I get pregnant again, I lose that baby weight. Um, so I knew that I could do that. I wanted a better way to do that. I wanted the more, you know, tried and true science way to do that versus just like, oh, if you eat, you know, keto approved food, then you're going to happen to lose this weight. And it's like, well, why that's really just comes still down to calories and versus calories out. But that's another discussion. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anyhow, so, um, there was the 30 pounds. What was cool for me though, more than just losing 30 pounds, because again, I've lost large amounts of weight before, um, when needed was that I kind of had this number that I could never get past. Like I'm 10 pounds below my pre-pregnancy weight without even trying. Um, I'm currently in maintenance and just really enjoying that. Mm -hmm. But my plan is to do another cut Um, because next year we'll probably start trying for another baby. So I just want to do one more cut and, you know, really get down to kind of where my goals are. Um, but I'm 10 pounds below my pre-pregnancy weight. And that was just kind of that number in my head that I was like, this is just like my, I just can't get past. Yeah. I can't do it. Can't get past that. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really active. I can work out and I was okay with that number, but I didn't love it. Um, and it's not anything to do with the number in that regard, but just like that size or that version of my body. Um, but I was okay with it, but then I did macros one one and I'm like, not even, I mean, I'm trying obviously, but it wasn't like that hard. I was just being consistent. There wasn't that restriction that there's been in the past. Like I'm still eating ice cream. I'm still eating crumble cookies. I am religiously addicted to like, I shouldn't say that I'm addicted to crumble cookies is bad. Um, but it's great. So just eating those in moderation and I still got 10 pounds below pre-pregnancy weight and it's awesome. So physically great. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. Um, how would you say that you're approaching your goals differently now that you've gone through macros 101? So this really stuck with me from macros 101 and it's, it's silly because I'm, I'm really big on goal setting. Um, but just, there was so much to learn still from your program. Um, and something that you say that stuck really hard with me is, or stuck with me is that your success is inevitable. Um, and so just through, you know, your program that really just kind of became ingrained. So now, you know, I just feel like I'm at this, this place that I always wanted to be. I'm at peace. Um, you know, I'm at peace. 
And I have the confidence that I didn't have previously that, okay, this is, this is the science, you know, this is what my body needs. Um, this is what I can do with my body, whether it's, you know, growing muscle or losing fat. Um, and this is how I do that. And more importantly, this is how I can help my family and provide balanced meals for them and model that balance that I've been trying to find. So, um, yeah, I moving forward, like I know that my success is inevitable in everything that you decide to do your master's degree, your like family. Um, thank you. That's so awesome. Okay. Last question. If you could go back to Aubrey in your childhood, um, and, and talk to her, sit down and like have a chat with her. What are some of the things that you would tell her? Yeah. So as you ask that, like, I have a really distinct memory of sitting down with my mom and it was shortly after, like it had come, they'd become aware of what was going on. And my mom, um, you know, I, I was just expressing to her how hard it was and what a dark place I was in. And I asked her like, does it get better? And she like reassured me like, yeah, it does. And at the time that was comforting, but I also didn't know if I could believe her. Sure. Um, so if I could just go back to myself in that moment and give myself a big hug and just be like, keep pushing, it does get better. You can find that peace with your body and really with, with everything that's going on inside, you can do it. Just keep searching, finding that knowledge. Um, and pushing forward because you're worth it. If I could just tell her that and give her a big hug, like, yeah, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough. This this conversation um, is important. And uh, like I said, I think if if uh, two things I hope come out of this, and and I'm sure other things will come out of it, but two things that I hope come out of it is I hope that. Um, we reduce the shame around eating disorders and, and that it, it helps somebody to seek the help that they deserve and can get. And I think by be willing to share hard things and hard experiences and lessons that you learned, um, through this experience, that's my hope is that someone here listening is, is going to go get help because they recognize, you know what, it, it's not hopeless. I can change. There is, there is a future. The the future is better. Like it it does get better. There is another side to it. And, um, that's, that's really what I hope that people are are taking away from, from this conversation. So thanks so much for being willing to come and share your story. It really, it really is going to help people. No, thank you so much. And if I can just add on like that last two seconds. So, Mm -hmm. you know, absolutely everybody that, that has had similar struggles, but I feel like it just applies to you know, most people in your program, because to an extent, they probably aren't at peace with their body, you know, no matter how extreme that is or isn't, you know, and taking the time to heal yourself, you know, on the inside, like we've talked about spiritually, emotionally, um, and then physically too, but you can't just focus on one of those, like take the time to heal all three. Cause that's really where that peace is gonna, is gonna come from. Um, anyhow, so yeah. And thank you for your program. I mean, it's just, I can, it's so refreshing how it's just that science, um, that, you know, I was craving and searching for and it shouldn't be that hard to find, but it is. Mm -hmm. And then how you coached through the emotion and took away the shame from that. That was awesome. So thank you. That's so good. Thank you so much. 
Was she right or was she right? (laughs) For those of you who feel like, well, eating disorder isn't really applicable to me or anybody that I know, uh, the thing that Aubriane said at the end about how the, the concepts we were talking about, the principles that we were talking about are applicable, whether or not you struggle with eating disorder. And, and I think you really could see that woven throughout the whole entire episode is that regardless of if you feel like you have a diagnosable eating disorder or not, these principles of trying to be in control, of using food sometimes as, uh, as a buffer, um, these ideas of how we set goals and how we think about goals and how we think about what's possible for us are all intricately woven into our success um, as we reach for our goals, whether they're physical or mental or spiritual or emotional. And I like how she really talked about at the end of that, that is the totality of a person. It is not just the physical, but it's the physical and the mental and the spiritual and the emotional. And really getting all of those aspects of us in top-notch shape is what is going to help us to feel healed, to feel whole, to feel at peace with ourselves. And at the end of the day, that's really what most of us are searching for, isn't it? Thank you for joining me for this episode. If it did something to you, if it spoke to you, if if you got a, a takeaway or a breakthrough because you listened to this episode, would you do me a favor and share it? Share it on your Instagram, share it on your stories, share it in Facebook, share it to your group chat, share it to a sister or a friend, text it to somebody. Um, but the best way that you can say thank you for free content you know, as this is speaking as a content creator is to share that content. And that goes for me, but it also goes for all the other content creators that you love because there's a bunch out there. The best way you can thank somebody who's putting out free content is to share their content. So thank you to those of you who shared the episode, who share the podcast with your friends. Thank you to those who have left a rating and review on iTunes. That makes a difference. I know it seems like such a little thing and it takes you two to three minutes, but again, as a content creator, it means the world to me and to other content creators. So thank you so much for those of you who have done that and who continue to support the podcast. Um, It's something that I love to do and I'm glad that you guys love it as much as I do. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember my friend, you can do anything. Hey friend, have you heard the news? We have a Biceps After Babies Radio insider list. If you love Biceps After Babies Radio, you don't want to miss a thing. Head to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash insider to join the group. You'll be the first to know all things about the podcast, see some behind the scenes, and get special messages from yours truly. We want to make this a special community for those who are fans of the podcast. And last, did this episode particularly resonate with you? If so, will you please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your family and friends why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at Biceps After Babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.